Can you hear that? No. You sure? Positive. You know what it sounds like? <laughs> no. I think it's another production brief episode. Welcome back. It's been a while. It's been a quite a while, actually, hasn't it? It has. I think we've all been a bit shell-shocked by... Uh, COVID in the last couple of months. Yes. Remember that time when we were like, hey, we're not going to talk about COVID on the show anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been nice if we'd have been able to keep to that. Yeah. And now we're <laughs> working out how to do rapid antigen testing on set. Yeah. Yeah. We're getting there though. Not too we many are. weeks to go before. Have some you done sleep. it? Have you had the jabs? I've had you... both jabs. Yep. Good on you. Me too. I feel like I'm a fully participating member of society. Uh, I kind of felt in a weird way, this might be like completely overcalling it, but sort of felt weirdly safer after I had it. And I don't I don't even know, like I know it doesn't even take effect straight away, but like once I sort of had that thing in my arm, I was just like, right, okay. It felt like I was on to the next part of the journey. I think so. I think it has an overall effect of sort of going, okay, I'm not, I'm not uh, so worried about getting COVID. Uh, I look at mm. the the results and I think that um, I look at the test of the um, sort of cases numbers every day, and I think that is a problem for our society in general. Yeah, but I no longer worry about uh, getting COVID. Yeah, which I think is the purpose. You know, I think that's part of how we're gonna get out of this and and of course and we're not too far i mean by the time this episode goes live uh, we should only be a week away or so from 70 percent and um, yeah. just a couple more weeks to 80 percent and who knows what that's going to actually look like mm. uh, as the story unfolds but anyway let's focus on what we can no. Yes. Now, now that the anti-vaxxers have tuned out, uh, <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about music and advertising. Yeah. So today we're talking to Cornell Wilczek. He is an award-winning screen and commercial composer and the owner of Electric Dreams, a high-end acoustically designed space that facilitates creative development, broadcast composition, mixing, surround for TV and film, as well as album production. So a little bit of everything. Yeah, I mean, obviously to us known more in the advertising side of things, um, but yeah, lots of feature film work, um, you know, lots of TV show work and, and like lots of ads that you would, if you have a look at their, their reel of work, you'll definitely recognise music in a, in a lot of ads that they've done. Yeah, so we're going to talk to Cornell about the process of commercial composition versus feature films and TV series and how the two can run parallel um, and also the challenges of running a business and um, being a composer at the same time, you know, like um, being on the tools but also organising everything in the in the back end and how that works. Um, we'll also talk about a bit about collaboration and advertising and how a good sort of music brief comes together. So let's take a listen to what he's got to say. Cornell, welcome to Production Brief. G'day, how are you going? They're not too bad. Hey, before we talk about your company, Electric Dreams, tell us about that ad, uh, the jingle. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty fun ad, hey. It's um, it still it, makes me smile. Yeah, it got a great reaction when it came out. Now, that's a really interesting one, and I'm I'm you know I'm really glad you chose it because it hopefully leads into some of the things that may we maybe we talk about. But that wasn't actually written by us. Um, that was written by the creatives at the agency. And that's a really, you know, it's a really fun way to work where um, they had this idea of coming up with a jingle and they thought, well, hang on, there's a couple of musicians um, that work at um, the Monkees and uh, they got something together and um, presented the idea to us. And we thought it was really fun. Like it's not often we get to work on a jingle, um, especially one this funny and, you know, it was about how we execute it and how we put it together. So 
it was you know it, it it came came a long way and we kind of thought about the instrumentation the kind of phrasing and how it would all kind of come together especially in the time and how many verses and it became a real collaboration in a way that um you know it, it you don't often get to collaborate with um and uh i think the end result is 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 great we've had such a strong reaction and and it's it's you know um kind of uh continued on throughout the years in various forms with different voices and you know different scenarios and it's um it's been been a lot of fun so yeah that was a really really great example of a, a client collaboration that we just absolutely love what comes first there like in particularly in that example we were the team working from a storyboard in which they created the tune to to match the words or do the words of the song help determine what happens in the ad um, in this case, it was look. It was a bit of both. It came from both ways. I think it began as a storyboard. As we fleshed things out, we worked out what the tempo would be. I think initially, when when we started putting it together, we realised that to fit everything in, this tempo was possibly too fast, and some of the ex- executions of the vocals were a little bit um, hard to understand. So we slowed things down, and I think we knocked a few things out, and we had a good six weeks or so so we did go back and forth rearrange things and thankfully had enough time to do all of that before the shoot um so we were really clear on the timing before any shoot but um the song did inform just about everything so essentially it was written you know kind of from both angles but uh, at the end of the day it it was this once the song worked that that then informed the shoot so yeah it was a, a, a great example of kind of music coming first and you mentioned you don't do that many jingles. What What is the demand for jingles? Because obviously they used to play quite a large part in most brand, big brand ads. Yeah. Um, and it used to be a key part of um, sort of getting it into people's minds. Do, do clients often come to you and say, hey, we need a jingle? And and, and why why do they choose that particular form? Yeah, well, it 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 seems to be a bit of a dirty word these days. Um and I'm not sure why, because it can still be so effective. Um, we used to do a lot more. Um, you know, when I first started doing ads in, you know, nearly 20 years ago now, um, I think every, you know, one out of one out of four jobs was a jingle. Um, and it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And usually, you know, that's, a lot of that was kind of radio first. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes sense. Um, and then these days I feel that uh, we, we do get a jingle every now and then and it's usually for humorous reasons. Um, I think jingles are considered, you know, a humorous approach to advertising. Um, and, you know, I guess it is hard to, to uh, seriously deliver um, a jingle, you know, a song. Mm. Um, you know, as soon as you start putting, you know, n- narrative into a song like that, you know, you start approaching this kind of level of humor that a lot of people just accept as kind of, you know, Weird Al Yankovic or something, something like that. You yeah, know? yeah. I was going to uh, say Flight of the Concord. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes to mind when, it, when, when you're talking about jingles, it's almost m- moved into musical comedy. But it, 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 it certainly doesn't have to be. I mean, there's a lot of great examples in history of where it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you are bordering on you are bordering on referencing the past. And I feel like whenever we have done something that's not so, that that is a bit more on the serious side, it does reference, you know, old-timey advertising, you know. It does have a reference to to something of the past or it's been radio first or something like that. But, um, you know, I think maybe jingles have been, you know, have been kind of swapped out for more kind of thematic uses of music. Um, and that seems mm-hmm. to be the, the kind of replacement. So an instrumental that is a thematic uh, that has the same device, the same sonic kind of ideas of delivering repeated, you know, ideas, in this case, repeated melodies and stuff like that, and instantaneously recognisable kind of instrumentation. I think that's been what it's swapped out for. But um, there's certainly room and, you know, there's trends. Maybe it'll come back. I mean, what what actually classifies a jingle as a jingle what what makes it a jingle versus um you know just a piece of music that's recognizable um against a brand that's i guess it's it's a song based 
That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, because I think of like uh, like growing up. Obviously, we had the, uh, for my age anyway, the Decoray one. That was a one of those quirky sort of ones. But then now you've got you know like a Woolworths Fresh Food People song, and it's like oh, the Coles song. Yeah, oh the, the that down down bloody song, and it's like are, are they jingles? Is that a jingle or is that just a song? I, I don't know. Is there? Is they there are, and I think sort of separate them. Yeah, I think I think a jingle is really defined by. Um, a lyrical-based song that delivers, you know, uh, delivers a brand message, really. Um, I think that's essentially it. Uh, 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 I think, you know, from you're talking about like the Decoré and things like that from our youth, I think a, a lot of those a lot of those were based on re-records of originals. So it was, um, you know, swapping out lyrics. And that was, you know, finding, finding a defined song and swapping out lyrics, which is just just barely happens anymore and when it does happen it's it's clearly quite an expensive endeavor um but yeah swap you know using using lyrics to convey a message is 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 it's it can be a lot of fun but as we said it does delve into that that level of humor that i think a, a lot a lot of brands want to be a bit more you know serious these days so it's it's hard to you know hard to find humor in advertising yeah yeah, and what about um? I'm I'm not sure what we, what we call them. We thought maybe they're called brand harmonics, but but the little um like the little stings at the end of ads, like the yeah. little McDonald's sting or the Intel sound or those. What, what do you guys call those? Mnemonics. Mnemonics. Yeah. Mnemonics. So yeah. T- yeah. Tell tell me about those. Tell me about mnemonics and you know what what role they play in um uh, in in music production for advertising. Well, I guess it's a, it's a similar thing to what we just mentioned with you know with with stings how they've transferred into um, more thematic based music where it's sorry where sorry a jingles have transferred into thematic based music where you're conveying instantly conveying trying to com- encapsulate and convey a message straight away um, so it's a way of summing up a brand summing up the feel summing up the message all in one little instance which is in this case you know under you know usually under for three and a half seconds so you know it's it's an instantly recognizable device that brings that brand to the fore of your mind and that's essentially the role is just to bring it to the fore you hear it enough times you associate it with something and there it is when when you're being briefed on a mnemonic is it um hey this is going to become our brand sound we want something that's for the next 10 years or is it that you develop something for a particular campaign and then they say hey that really resonated let's stick with that over the years um <clears throat> yeah that, that's a good question because it's it's actually usually comes to us from both angles where uh yep let's let's come up with something for the next 10 years or you know in perpetuity um and that that makes a lot of sense why you do that you know the repetition makes a lot of sense you know like it it, that that's there's a clear reason to go in that direction but lately what we found is is you know we'll, we'll work on a campaign for someone and they'll be like this is you know was really successful for us we really like the music the client really loves it everyone's feeling like this represents us can we make a sting out of it now and that's come up more and more which is super interesting because um you know it's i guess people are starting to think again about you know mnemonics and and how music works and um, having it come first from from that is is a coming from music first is is a really interesting approach. Um, it's not always successful because sometimes you know we've we've tried to make something and it's like well what is that device and it's like oh it's this little moment here mm. and then you pull that apart it's like oh, that really needs a good six seconds for that to work mm. and we don't have that time can no. we chop it in half <laughs> so it, it it's it's a soup it's a it, it's a big challenge. Yeah. Um, and more often than not, it's you know it's a bit of a hybrid approach. It's it's thinking about it as a standalone and finding something in the song. And you know where we've where we've ended up has always been really interesting. And mm. I think they've been really successful. I mean, great conversation about jingles and stuff so far. But I've just realised we haven't even really introduced who Electric Dreams is. Can you tell us a bit about Electric Dreams, how it came about, and you know what what your role there is? Yeah. Um. So I uh, go back to the beginning. <laughs> Um, I started started doing advertising in around about 2003, 2004, um, while I was still at uni, mind you. Um, I released, you know, I was releasing music and working on a lot of art and, and you know, it's just it was just one of those things where someone bought one of my albums and liked it and asked me to work on an ad and 
it stemmed from there. And then I built up a relationship with, with a number of agencies. And um, while I was at uni and releasing albums and performing, um, I was doing ads on the side and I, I found it you know, really rewarding um, for, uh, you know, for so many reasons. Um, and then it got to a stage in 2007 after doing it for four years or so that I was honestly swamped. And what I was, what I realized is that I was bringing in all my friends to help me. So it's like, okay, this is, this is becoming more and more of a team effort. Um, and I'm hiring more and more studios cause I was working from my home studio. Um, and you know, it just lo and behold, an opportunity came up for, um, a space in a building that I was, I was aware of and spent a lot of time at. Um, and I, you know, as a, as a young person did the most stupid thing in the world and took out a massive loan and, and, <laughs> and, uh, built a studio. I think it's worked um, pretty well though. It has, it's been great. I mean, look, it was always... The idea was that it, it it covered a lot of ground. The studio was always going to cover cover a lot of ground with them, um, not just advertising, but band recording because I was doing that as well. You know, producing artists and our own music and film and TV and and it worked out really well. So in two thousand and eight, uh, in December two thousand and eight, the studio was finished. I opened it up and there it was with all my friends working there. You know, it was uh, a instantly a um very communicative collective because we were friends first and foremost and uh over time it's kind of it hasn't really changed that much in terms of how we work i mean biggest changes happened in the last 18 months but um uh you know by by around about 2013 i felt like you know we'd really kind of hit our stride and and um we had, you know, a really great workflow and and had enough experience under our belt where we ended up building more rooms and, and grew and grew um, to the point we are now. Um, and now we're all working from home. <laughs> and um, Cornell, so you still work at the same time, you work as a composer at the same time that you run a business. How does that work? What is it like running a business, doing the work? Because, you, you know, you're quite well known for TV series and films as well as commercials and you've still got that work happening on the uh, on one side of your sort of work career. Yes, right? yes, yeah, yeah, more than ever, you know, it's, um, yeah, I've got, I've got a lot happening, which is, which is, you know, it's wonderful because it all feeds back into one another. So I, I guess creatively it's really positive, you know, um, working whilst you know running a business is is creatively great like it at never one time and i am i distanced from the work that we do um at never one time making am i making a decision that is is going to hurt or affect what we produce and how we produce things however you know the logistic side is very difficult and that's the biggest challenge that that you have as a, as an owner slash creator. Um, so that's why it's important to have a good team. And, um, we have a great team that, you know, really offer, offer me support with that. So, you know, there are, there are times where I'm literally, you know, um, you know, swamped and I can't deal with a thing. So we have a great team that can take, take the load. So, you know, it's taken a while. The first, you know, I would like to say it was the first couple of years, but honestly, it was the first seven years where I, I, I you know, I didn't get that balance right because I was doing everything and it it was hard. It was really hard. I got it done, but I didn't have much of a life. Um, and now over time, I've, you know, let go of a lot of stuff and, and we've got a great team that I trust and I don't have to know about every logistical move that is made within the studio. Um, and we have, you know, a really good, communication amongst us which 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 really helps so you know it's the team that helped that happen you mentioned that uh, the team there when, when someone comes for a, with a brief um for a for a, a piece of composition for a, a tv commercial uh, are you using different um composers and sort of bringing them into the space and you're sort of um sometimes you're the composer or is it is it sort of like um, one side of the business is more producing and sort of handling the overall job? Uh, we, 
we will always get the right person for the job pretty much um it's that's it who will will have the pitching process internally um but it'll always be the right person for the job and very quickly you know we all have different strengths in different areas and you know when when a brief comes to us that is a specific genre we'll know first you know we'll usually have an idea of who that should be but that doesn't that doesn't discount you know someone else working on it that might have look you know like for example that ad you know dealing bcf for example and it's like mm-hmm. you're dealing with more bluegrass more of a bluegrass genre um we instantly knew who should who should put that together um it made a lot of sense um, internally but but there's you know other people in 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 the studio that had some really great ideas too that helped with gaining perspective so it really becomes a bit of a collaborative effort and and you know the way we kind of communicate over slack or you know in the studio um will all kind of offer a bit of feedback and that that really helps and you know sometimes just by nature someone will kind of you know put their hand up saying hey i've got an idea of how we can you know what we can do with these vocals or, or, or how we can edit this. And um, it does become a bit of a collaboration, but there's usually one kind of owner that does, that does own the project, but that, you know, um, we're all open to each other's feedback and we have a healthy um, selection of um, regular freelancers that, you know, are part of the extended family that um, work from their own home studios and, and have the ability to come in and record as well. So we, 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 we do have, you know, a significant, pool of people that we can pull you know we can pull upon especially for you know unique briefs so, so you, you mentioned people recording things at their home studios and communicating via slack and things and i don't know if you know but mark and i originally started this this podcast as one about you know how to work during covid and we yeah. desperately tried to stop it being that and just making it about working in advertising um it appears we've been thrown back into covid at the moment but i guess my question for you is how have you found things work differently and not just because of covid but because of technology as well you know now it's perhaps easier for people to set up home studios that are a good quality perhaps people can be doing work from overseas and time zones and things don't matter as much perhaps clients have got decent enough systems that they can listen to things remotely without having to come into the studio to hear it on uh ten thousand dollar speakers or or what what's changed for you or what's changed in the process over the years um you know relating to technology um a lot so i mean look up until our the pandemic um i was quite bullish on how we use the studio um I guess you know when you when you drop a lot of money and build something, you want to use it. So I would, I encouraged everyone to work at the studio and use it as a resource. One because it it sounds great, like the acoustics are pretty accurate. So we're in a position where we can mix very very comfortably, and we know what we're getting, and you know usually don't have any problems, and record for that matter. Um, um, and even you know with a lot of uh with a lot of musicians that we use that are like, oh, look, I can do this from home. It's like, well, look, come in because we'd prefer it. You know, it's also, it was that, you know, the, also the instant feedback and the, um, the collaborative connection that you have when you're doing something in person was really important. Um, so even though all that technology has been there, there's been huge advancements in, in, you know, that prosumer range of audio technology, and by prosume, I mean like, you know, the professional equipment that isn't that expensive, that sits just above the consumer kind of range. There's so much great stuff now um, that you can get a great recording, but I always would encourage that unless they were interstate or overseas, obviously it makes sense to do that. Um, but look, the pandemic has, you know, changed everything and, and we are all familiar with, you know, the most recent technology and we realize that we all have great home studios. And in fact, you know, everyone has spent a bit of time on their home studio over the past 18 months. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say that that it, it replaces a studio because it, it really doesn't because you can still see the benefits of doing things in one space. And to be honest, most of that does come from just that symbiotic kind of uh relationship of you know performing talking performing talking and reviewing and listening and and um that you know we've missed out of that we've missed out on that but what we have gained is a more thorough use of communicating 
through, you know, things like Slack um, and and Zoom. And I feel like it's it's everyone, including clients. I'm just I'm just looking at our communication is just way better than it used to be. Um, where you know we'd have you know a phone conversation and you'd, a producer would just get a bit frustrated halfway through and go, "Hey, we're just going to come in," um, and they'd come in, and it was great, and we'd you know resolve something in about two minutes, you know, two minutes worth of talking. Um, not having that, it just means that everybody has to focus a little bit more. And I've I've done a bit of encouraging creatives and producers to maybe upgrade their headphones and things like that. You know, just doing that whole kind of like, hey, what are you listening to things on? <laughs> and 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 it's it's been really great. You know, like there's, you know, a couple of clients, for example, all bought new gear, you know, um, that, you know, they kind of asked some questions and they, they bought a whole bunch of new gear and they all have um, now consistent monitoring you know, the same headphones across the board. And that, that's just great. That makes our life so much easier because then we're talking the same language we're hearing the same things so i see this now coming you know coming out of the pandemic and having all of this that we've learned um you know with with working from home plus the combination of having stuff in the studio it's i i see it as a really positive thing we've got all these options now and um you know neither is better it's just it just works What's the collaboration process like for advertising? Like who are you working with um, mainly um, across the agency? Um, and, you know, who is the core team that sort of bounces off each other to, to, to get the music working? <clears throat> that's a great question. And, you know, to be honest, that's really based on the culture of the agency that we're working with. Um, we, I would love to say that's consistent across the board, but it's it's just not. Um, different agencies work in different ways, and you know there are some jobs where we very rarely get to speak to the creatives, and it's the producer communicating with us. Um, that's that can be great. It can be bad. It really does depend on the culture. Um, our best collaborations and our favourite collaborations are when we're just talking very openly, and you know everyone. Everyone at the studio. What what I should say, you know, I've hired a lot of friends. Um, those friends, I'm I'm originally from Adelaide, so my friends are everyone that I met at uni, and you know, basically, I studied you know um, more sound art, more music art, so it came from more of a installation film background. Um, so, so where you know, like we came from a culture of kind of really open discussions without any kind of politics so suddenly jumping into you know advertising and 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 dealing with the dynamics and the hierarchies is like whoa, whoa this is open and what we've always tried to push is can we talk to this person can we have just a, you know a half an hour chat can we do something on the side you know aside from this initial conversation and, and what that that's opened up is is a lot of relationships that um i i feel like our best work also rather than just you know those those at the moment, those long Zoom sessions, um, we we have a lot of um, creatives that feel comfortable ringing us directly, just ringing my phone at night as well. You know, not that I encourage everybody to ring at night, but y- you know what I mean. It's 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 it's. I think we've kind of gotten to a point where we're open enough where we we just want to talk about ideas. So we would like to get to the core as much as possible, and and you know our agencies that we work regular with do allow that we do have that system in place um but we also have the gatekeepers you know our producer and um their producer often make the big calls but um at the end of the day if we can chat to the people coming up with the idea that is great but we also really need to chat to the directors as well um especially in some of the more complicated campaigns where you know um, music is is essential to you know the actual vision and and the editing. So so you know we we do really push that and you know working on some things right now with you know where we've had our really expanded chats with you know the agency, but now we're talking really heavily with with the director because they're you know uh, what we're doing is informing what they're shooting, and I imagine that we're going to continue that with the editors. So it's 
yeah, it's it's look, it's a cultural thing. I know that there's you know some agencies that just you know the gatekeepers don't like the um, creatives chatting too much to to us, and and that's you know that's difficult. But if they can communicate really well and express things really thoroughly, then that's then that's that's fine. In fact, that can be great. You know, it's 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 really about communication. And there's a job that we recently finished where, oh, I you know it was. I don't know where we were, probably halfway through kind of the production. And, um, you know, one of the creatives actually just called, I wasn't even working on the job, but just called me because he had my number. Um, and she's like, I just had this idea and I just need to tell someone right now. Um, in a lot of industries, you know, you getting that that call at night is kind of like, but actually I was thinking about it a lot. and um, And he had a really valid, interesting point that kind of, change the direction, not change the direction, but informed us a lot more. And I could quickly relay that. And it just really helps, you know, so that open dialogue and not feeling, not feeling precious and not feeling um, embarrassed about some of the things you're saying is really important as well. You know, like saying, I don't know, you know, I don't know what this means. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what this should sound like, or I don't know what kind of voice we're after. It That's fine. Um, and often saying, I don't know, means that we can say, well, how about, you know, it opens up the conversation. And I, I love that honest conversation. It's when you kind of, you don't know, but you need to say something and feel like you're in charge and have control um, can be scary because a lot of bad decisions get made. And, you know, there are agencies that we just won't work with because that's just the way that they have operated where it's like they say stuff with such authority, but without the clear reasoning or conceptual ideas and that's that's just really hard and it never leads to good work and you know we we you know we just decide to part ways with those kind of clients because it's just no fun for anyone it's interesting because you you and electric dreams you know obviously do long form content as well as you as you've yeah. spoken about not just not just advertising and i guess uh, i'd love to sort of hear your thoughts on the differences in in approach there for me i imagine that when you get a long form brief it's kind of because well we really like the the music that you guys create so over yep. to you to to bring this to life with ads is it a bit more you know here's here's a brief here's um the detail that the client wants is is it a bit more prescriptive and doesn't give you that artistic freedom as much or or is it really just come down to the client it it comes down to the client you know the the clients that know what we do can deliver a brief in the same way that long form gets delivered. It's like, Hey, you know, we know that thing that, you know, you can do here. And, um, they also have a good awareness of, of, of our freelancers and our, you know, our, our kind of palette of composers. Um, but, but in general, you, you, you are right with that. They come to us with a brief that, you know, it's like, this is what we're after. I like when they say, can you do it? You know, don't just assume because um, I don't want to always be in a position where we're doing something that we don't want to or, or we'll struggle with. Um, um, saying that, we're always up for the challenge. But um, yeah, with with long form, it is always, you know, coming to, you know, it's coming to us for our sound, you know, and each composer has their own thing. And that's that's clear. You know, that that is very clear. Um Again, we like to be challenged and we won't always work in one genre. But, you know, being truthful to ourselves, we all have our own, you know, we, we have a thing that we're striving for. You know, at the end of the day, I would like to consider myself, you know, uh, and I'm always expressing myself and I am an artist that has a particular aesthetic and communi- communicative agenda. So, so, you know, the long form stuff, that comes to us knowing that is 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 the stuff that we take on um with advertising it's that it's it's always it's they're they're project based and we we do look at it differently because it can be uh, and you know more often than not it can be an exercise in design you know in in musical design where it's like okay we're 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 going deep into a genre we're going deep into a sound um, let's, you know, let's research, let's find all the things that, 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 uh, that is the essence of this idea 
and this genre and let's try to tease it apart and find all the best musicians or best way to express this. So, you know, I, I don't, this is, this is a big kind of generalization, but it is a bit more about art versus design. Um, because, you know, I was, I, I was, I was thinking about it this morning, actually, you know, about if this question was to come up and, um, with, with music for long form, we've got time on our side. We have, we have, you know, over the course of, you know, a three minute cue, we can say all this stuff. We've got three minutes to tell you all about this character and using time as, as a important part of the composition, dropping points here and there and, you know, dropping very different points and dropping very different conceptual ideas and then bringing them together at the end or not leaving things unresolved. You know, that's a device in itself with an ad, you know, 15 seconds. We don't have the luxury of time. So it's more about condensing these conceptual ideas into the first few seconds, you know, like just sonically, what is, what does this make you feel? What does this make you, what does this, what does this suggest? And it's all, comes down to you know suggestions and it you know it's 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 not a this is not a word that comes up a lot but um um i'm thinking more about psychoacoustics you know like i I would never bring up psychoacoustics in you know with it with a client uh, in advertising that freak people out and they think we're going to do some sort of you know art installation but it's an important part like you know um what is you know this percussive thing leading this intro is, does that sound aggressive? Is this, and does that feel like it's far away and it's kind of this doom approach? You know, you've got to think about all these things as a, there's such, you know, I think we all have a bit of an academic background at, at electric dreams. So, you know, we're thinking about this stuff, even if we don't communicate it, you know, we're thinking about, you know, the, the idea of proximity and psychoacoustics and how things become um, conceptually suggestive, even if it is at, um, you know, a subliminal level, um, all of that is there, even if it's a, you know, a bloody pop song, you know, all of that stuff kind of adds up. So we have to think in a way more condensed way, um, and have to really kind of dilute the essence of something into, into the first few seconds. And that pretty much would determine where things are going. Not that we can't use time because there's usually, some shape or build over the course of 15, 30 seconds or whatever it may be. But, but you have to think very differently. It's interesting what you say about um, the use of time in long form. And I can definitely see that um, both in the structure of a story, you know, there's a narrative arc and I could imagine the music within a five minute scene of a film or something like that is like following some sort of arc yeah. What when you is there such a thing in um comp, in music composition, uh, and how do you apply that sort of idea of narrative, uh, or structure uh, to an ad? Like, are all ads structured the same? Like you were saying that the first five seconds determine the next. Is there a rise and a fall, or is that is there no fixed rules when it comes to a thirty second TVC, for example? Oh no, there there, there can be a hell of a lot of shape. So there still can be a lot of shape in 30 seconds. So that, that still is an option, definitely is still an option. And it, and we still employ a lot of those techniques when, when there, when there needs to be, um, what, you know, what is a trend right now is, is, you know, kind of, um, more montage based ads that, that have less of a narrative shape and are more about, you know, communicating an idea that just builds. Um, so, so you know that that's that's a different thing. There are more story arcs. There there are clear linear, you know, temporal ideas that 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 work similar to film and TV, and that 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 definitely happens. Um, it's just not, you know, not as common. Um, and you know, we love. I mean, we love those jobs. Everyone loves those jobs. It's just you know, it's 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 harder to pull off. And um, you know they're, they're they're few and far between, but but they're, but they're there, and it's just employing those techniques from film and TV, but really condensing them. And again, it's all about the intro. Got to get that because it's more about the client than anything. They just you know it's the first five seconds, and you watch them cringe, and it's like oh god, I've lost them. 
So, um, you know, it's it's hard. It's really hard. You know, I I'm looking at some of the things that we've done recently. I watched. <laughs> I we you know we've had a lot of long form and advertising run, running simultaneously forever, but I just finished a TV show that had six episodes. Um, there's a lot of music in it. Um, there's you know. 35 to 45 minutes of music on each episode. I watched the whole series being done at the same time as an ad campaign. They took the same amount of time and we're talking about 45 seconds of music. So it's the the detail and the back and forth that happens in advertising um, can be extraordinary, um, um, can be to its benefit and sometimes not. Um, but you know, there's, there's a good example of how, <laughs> how, how different the two worlds are not saying that I get, got away with, you know, everything in the TV show. Like we, you know, I did make a lot of changes and we did communicate a lot, but, um, yeah, it's, it, an ad can be as, as much work as a whole series. It's interesting. Cause I, I, I was just assuming it would completely go the other way. The ad, they would say, Hey, we need this in three weeks. Whereas the TV show, you've got a bit of lead time and, you know, development and artistic approach and all of that. And I, I felt maybe the advertising world, the time pressures would have been more. True. And that does happen as well. It mm. really, it does. It's <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not uncommon to get, you know, well, I'm looking at, yeah, let's look at my email this morning. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. When, when you do get those emails and those briefs, tell us, you know, what what is a good brief? Like, you know, what what do you need to just go, right, that's pretty much all we need to really get started on this with some follow-up questions. You know, what makes it what makes a solid brief for a um for an advertising piece of music? Um you know, it's it's never one thing because it really depends on the concept. I would say that when someone really is you know deep into an idea when when you've got so, you know a creative that's that's really really kind of you know in love with an idea they'll just always communicate really well and you know that doesn't have to come from um a deep understanding of music or sound um in fact sometimes you know when they leave with hey i don't know how to brief music but how about this? And they've just described everything so beautifully and so poetically. It can really help. Um, so I feel like the best briefs are those that kind of um, are so clear on the feel that they're trying to create um, that usually comes with some examples of, of music. It comes from some examples of film and other, th- you know, it just, it just is someone that's that's thought stuff out and look it'll be delivered in so many different ways saying that we've also been delivered you know looking at a few briefs that you know i'm looking at right now that are just like really simple that are just kind of like pretty much one paragraph that just sum it up that just basically saying this is what we're trying to convey this kind of genre be great we know that you can you know you can find this kind of thing and we know um we you know It'll be it'll be shorthand kind of information. Usually, that'll be based on an existing relationship. I feel like the longer the relationship we have with people, the less they have to kind of communicate to us. So, you know, what makes a good brief? I don't know. It's just someone that's really in love with an idea. Really, they're always going to deliver a good message. You know, it's it's that the stuff that concerns me when you can tell that no one's really sold on the idea or it's maybe been a compromise. What, what about but, like overbriefing people who start to really get into the nitty gritty and you kind of go, you know what, that's, that's our game. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. that side of it. Tell me about that. Uh, look, I'll, I'll be honest. I am always fascinated with, with the people that overbrief because it usually comes from a place of like the, they deep, they deeply into it. So even if it, it is over briefing and, we're at, you know, look, not not being rude, but, you know, there'll be certain things that we'll choose to ignore. Um, it's like, yeah, yeah, that that's fine. But for me, it suggests that they're into it, you know, they're into it and they want to find the best solution. So I'll, I'll, I'll you know, we'll never, we'll never turn a blind eye to that. We'll listen to everything they have to say, but we'll also say, hey, yeah, 
Gotcha. I yeah, I don't think we, cowbell's going to work in this one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but I don't know. Like it, I I I love the overbriefing because I think it's just it's a sign that that they're they're going to get into it with all these sort of um, different. Uh, stakeholders in the process and you're sort of talking before about long form being a little bit closer to the art form of composition given the amount of time you've got and the emotions you're sort of dealing with what's in it for a composer to work on commercial and are there skills that sort of transfer does one benefit the other or are they sort of like you know some people describe advertising as the necessary evil yeah (laughs) you know a means to an end uh, how do you sort of see that relationship between, yeah, composition for commercial and composition for, you know, a long-form TV film? Yep. Well, look, I can only speak from my experience and the people directly around me, but there's something amazing that can happen from advertising for a composer, and that is you get so much experience so quickly. So you get to work, if you want to, in other genres, you get to explore other areas you get to explore you know a lot you one you get money so money is great everyone likes money money. that helps you live you know money money is so important but money for a composer and music producer it's kind of different to (laughs) this is going to be hard to explain but i'm going to try to explain it and um you people might find other parallels but money to a music producer means more gear you know Honestly, like I don't think any composer would would say, "Oh, money means I can pay off my tax." You know, money money to another composer to a composer means more gear. So suddenly, what you see is a level of excitement happen in a composer where it's like, "Hey, you know, it's like I can I can get this. Oh, I can get this for this job." So suddenly, I buy this guitar. I can explore this, and that that excitement over your tools usually translates in excitement in the job. So what what happens is that you kind of explore things in a, you know, I've done this now for so long and you'd think with all the the negative, you know, we've had negative and positive experience, but you'd think the negative experiences would have some sort of effect. You know what? When you get a brief that slightly excites you in a certain um, production area, it's like you you throw away all that experience and you forget about the past and you just go, yeah, yeah, I'll jump in, I'll do it. Mm. Um, and suddenly that excitement translates in in a way where you're constantly learning something and what advertising has done for me has been I've I've often tried to find at least one thing in every job that I can learn from. Um, whether that be a technical thing, whether that be, you know, like a technical, it could be engineering, it could be um, a recording thing, whatever it may be, or it's a musical thing. It's like a musical device. Like, oh, okay, what what mode is this in? Like, do I, you know, do I want to delve into theory here and think about, you know, oh, hang on, I've never thought about modes in communicating these kinds of things. And so there'll be some aspect that really, that really excites you. So, then and then you get money, eh? which means that you buy gear and you need gear to make stuff. And I don't think you know most of the advertising industry does not know how expensive things are. Um, you know, I, I I've had you know I, I remember once sitting in a, in a in a um, vocal session and um, a creative came in with a big bag, knocked over this mic, you know, and. Uh, I just, I went white because it was, you know, <laughs> it was, a, you know, it wasn't even an expensive, you know, it wasn't even our most expensive mic, but it was like, you know, six and a half grand. Whoa. And they're like, oh, we'll and just buy you another one. that's not your most expensive one. You know, we'll just buy you another <laughs> one. I'm like, that's what is, and a half Do grand. you have a diamond encrusted one next no, to that? Uh, that's, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you want, when you get deep into the stuff, you, you very quickly, you know, you just want the best, you know, and, and. You know, unfortunately, we all do. I don't know anyone that doesn't do that. I've never heard anyone say, oh, you know, I'm happy with, you know, this, you know, everyone's always constantly looking out, buying and selling and stuff like that. And um, that that really, look, it really helps. It really helps us find a way in 
to have something that we can learn, something that we can get out of it that isn't just the out isn't just the actual outcome or any accolades or even the money. It's like I've got this new thing under my belt. Like I, you know, I studied music, I did all the stuff, but my first recording with strings um, for an orchestra wasn't for a film or for TV. Um, it was for an, an ad, and I had to learn things so much. I remember kind of like the night before this recording, kind of looking things up going, oh, shit, what register is this clarinet in and how do I how do, I do this? And you, just it's a fast track to learning a bunch of things. So, you know, it really feeds back and it's really, it's really important. And the composers that have put in the time and energy to advertising have all, you know, kind of said the same thing. You can hear it feed back in their work. You've just got a lot of extra skills under your belt that you will never get with film and TV because... Um, you know, like, you know, even if you're prolific, you're only still going to have, you know, even if you're extremely prolific, you're going to get five, six jobs a year. Um, they're, granted, they're longer. But on an ad, you can do a hell of a lot more than that and learn a lot in, in a short space of time. And, you know, that's, that's, that's a huge benefit. Hey, I wanted to talk to you, and it might be a bit of a dirty word, but but production music, library music, yep. you know, the audio networks of the world, those, those kind of things. It's fairly obvious from talking to you the value of having composed music for your campaign, but I guess the reality is not every project is going to have budgets to do, to do that. Do you have any, you know, general thoughts on, on the use of production music in ads? And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll say it's not good, but um, but I'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, wow, you've hit a nerve here. You, <laughs> we, we, we discussed this question at nauseam yesterday, just thinking, shit, is this, are we going to no, offend it, somebody by asking this? But it, it just feels like it's it's sort of valid to the conversation. Yeah, look, it, it's a good one. Look, I'll talk globally and then personally. Yeah. Globally, I, I, I understand why you want to go to um, production music for, for budget. Totally makes sense. It's always, it's been there for a long time, you know. Production music is not new. It's, it's, you know, I, I've got one of my favorite composers wrote a lot of production music in the 60s. Um, and those albums are gold. They're so good. Um, so I listened to production music um, for entertainment, for, for pleasure. So, you know, to say that it's it's all invalid is, 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 is not true. However, you know... Um, Contemporary production music is is very different, and I'll be honest, I've I've done some myself. My biggest problem is, I you know, I love writing to brief, you know, mm. like writing to writing to screen is my love. So I would always encourage that. So that's 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 really important. Um, to be honest, I understand where it comes from in advertising. My biggest beef is with the actual production companies, um, and you know, I don't want to, I don't want to upset relationships or anything like that. So, <laughs> uh, my my problem is, look, I I have, you know, I've done a bit of production music in the past, um, and I don't think I got what I deserve from it. And some people say that I know that certain, uh, you know, certain companies work differently now, but. It's just not a model I really care for and don't really want to be involved with because I, I, I just feel like I, my my time and energy is better served making music to screen. So is it more is it more the model of production music and how it works and how it pays the artists rather than the quality of production music that's an issue for you or you feel like both both are, um, you know worth, worth talking about? Yeah. Uh, again, I don't want to. I don't want to upset anyone. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. It's both. Don't it's worry. both. Look, hey, there's some great production music out there. There is some excellent production music out there, no doubt. Absolutely, no doubt. Um, there's a lot of crap as well. Um, there um, are some companies that I feel like do it really well and pay people and res- respectfully work with people really well. Um, and we work with them. We've done work with them. And then there's some that don't. Um, I look, I just find, you know, that middleman aspect, it's not something I want to be involved in. I don't want, you know, too many people between me and an idea. So, 
you know, we'll never talk about it again. Yeah, we'll never talk about it again. <laughs> but look, there, there there are definitely benefits, and and you know, I I have you know I've done it, so you know, I'm not obviously dead against it. I just feel like um, where possible, let's 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 see what we can make from from scratch. I guess it's like talking to a furniture maker about how they feel about IKEA or something like that. <laughs> exactly. It's Could exactly you assemble the same our IKEA thing? for yeah. us? Yeah. <laughs> In the end, I guess, you know, going back to your comment about design uh, and what you're doing is designing a track. I think, you know, having used production music in the past for different projects, it's definitely not a design experience. It's yeah. more of a mix and match. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're trying to find approximation. So I think, you know, what I get from what you're saying is that what you enjoy and why you exist is that craft of design. Yeah. And if you don't get to do that, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not quite the same experience. I mean, the, this, the, it, it's not a designed experience. So the outcome is going to be different uh, because of that. That's right. Yeah. Look, this, this comes back to, you know, the earlier, the earlier idea of um, owners that work you know, in, in their in their place, in their work environment. Um, at the end of the day, it's the doing that I think I like more than the outcome, which if that makes sense, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's the ideas, it's the generation of ideas, it's the kind of forming things and making something from nothing. It's, you know, it's talking, the collaboration, all that sort of stuff. Not saying that I don't want to, I want a great outcome. It's all for the outcome. But once it's done, you know, whatever, let's move on. Let's do something else, you know. And I feel like, um, you know, the the music business that's focused on just the outcome, focused on just the accolades or focused just on more clients, you know, we take a limit of how much we can we can do and we, t- we turn away clients, you know. It's, we, we want to make, that's that's really important. Um, and that's, that's ex- extremely, that's the driving force. You know, it's not, anything else and speaking of making um just before we let you go i just wanted to quickly touch on um new formats Mm -hmm. um particularly mobile formats or formats Mm -hmm. where the listener is not in an ideal listening space um how do you deal with or what are some of the challenges and opportunities of working in a in an environment that is increasingly online and increasingly mobile? Um, and how does that influence the way that either you compose tracks or the way that you explain um, the different layers of a track that might not get activated or might not um, get listened to by every listener? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question. Well, I think the kind of initial understanding of online is that is that you know it was an inferior experience and we had to kind of get to the core of the music straight away we couldn't have detail we would you know there'd be a lot of lot of stuff lost in translation and that was true because you know a lot of people were listening to things on laptop speakers you know that was you know laptop speakers the main format now those laptop speakers are so much better. And when I say now, I mean like the past few years, you know, if, if you know, most of advertising seems to be kind of Apple-based, their, um, their uh, advances in, in small speaker design is incredible. And what, what's kind of, what's happening at the moment, which I'm really noticing more than ever, is that, um, you know, like things will go to TV uh, you know, we'll do a campaign that will go to TV and online. Um, you go to the the, the, the major um, advertising networks on TV. They have a level of compression that happens and, you know, things get kind of, you know, get kind of crunched. But, you know, it sounds, sounds all right. It sounds pretty good. And then you hear things online and there's – there you can, can accept more dynamic range. And what I'm noticing is, you know um, – I've got, you know, a recent phone. I'm, I started doing something that I would, you know, tell off clients for doing. I'm listening to some music, you know, some, some uh, mixes that we're doing on my phone speakers at the moment. And that's saying something because I was so dead against it. But I am. And I'm, what I'm noticing is that I'm not missing out on that much. You know, you are if you're in a noisy environment, stuff like that. But seeing as most people are at home listening to things on their, you know, online on their laptops and their iPads and phones, I'm 
really surprised. And what I'm finding is that you can start taking some of that cinematic approach um, that you do in long form and apply that to some online stuff because those dynamics are are kind of almost there. Um, So I'm not finding a huge difference anymore and I, I don't think we should. And to be honest, some of the more successful things I've heard recently have pretty detailed and subtle mixes online and I've been shocked as to what they've gotten away with and how well it works so I I would I would say that if anything it's it's kind of you know the new technology is kind of removing a lot of those um acoustic barriers that we once had yeah it's interesting it's interesting because um in normal in you know what we are used to in tv advertisements and actually one of the things that puts me off watching tv still is the loudness uh the sort of one note of um the way that um uh tv commercials are mixed in um and your set your like your your soft track for example mm. is squeezed between a harvey norman ad which is yeah. you know maximum level yeah um whereas in an online environment even the way that the ads are delivered which are usually one at a time not squeezed into a group of five and also the idea of it being a personal environment the yeah. idea that if someone's listening to an ad or watching an ad on something like um, Spotify, for example, they might be listening with their headphones. Um, they might be in a very um, lean-in sort of environment. Do you find that it is, it is both an opportunity to put more nuance into a track? You, uh, you've nailed it. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly how I'd put it. You know, it, it's that personal environment. It's that little cocoon, you know, and, you know, you you're talking about laptops and phones and iPads, which are considered personal electronic devices. You know, it's all there and in their name, it's like, it's, it's you and that Um, you've created a little, you know, cocoon environment. And it's exactly that, that lean in environment, you know, um, you know, you can actually, you know, I, I, I love the device of actually playing something a little bit soft, you know, and this happens a lot in film and TV where, you kind of play something very subtle and people lean in in their chairs. You know, you look at it at the cinema, you know, people do that. Well, people do that on, you know, it's, 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 you can see it all the time. People do that on their devices too when something's quiet. That's what an engagement, you know, that's an incredible engagement. You're, you're, you're creating a physical engagement. They're physically moving to listen. And I think that that's pretty special. Even if it is a little bit quiet, something is lost, you're creating an engagement that generally wouldn't be there. So, so yeah, I think, I think it's that it's not just, you know, I mentioned the speakers and acoustics and all that sort of stuff. It's also that, that personal environment and just one thing being delivered. And usually that delivery is, you know, if it's through YouTube or whatever, it's, it's kind of at least has some connection to you. There is some personal delivery. So I, I do I do find I do find it fascinating. I know I do think it's 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 really come a long way. And and what about the really short little little ads, the little bumpers and things, the six seconders, which we yeah. we seem to keep getting asked to do more and more of lately. You know how how does that work for you? How do you manage to potentially have to try and tell that story in in six seconds musically? It's always so hard. Thankfully, most of them come off the back of a longer a longer idea. Which makes it so much easier. But in the in the in the few occasions where it's only just six seconds, oh man, that is one of the biggest challenges to write. I don't think I can't think of any parallel to that. It's it's writing something that works in six seconds. You know, I, I've had clients that are like, oh, could you just do that? will be easy. It's like, yeah, easy, easy, <laughs> easy for you. You know, yeah. It, yeah, it, you don't have to do it. It it's it's hard. Short stuff is hard. Because you know you wanna you wanna convey all the right things so quickly, you don't have that that shape and and time to tell a story. So yeah, it's it's it can be very rewarding. It can be very fun when you get it right. But thankfully, most of the time it comes off the bigger comes off the back of a bigger campaign. So you've got somewhere to start, um, and and they usually rely on that association with the longer the longer version of it. Yeah, so it's it's it funny is. because for me, like I I find 
the difficulty is cutting down a, a story into six seconds for a commercial um, from a bigger ad. I, I feel like the, the briefs that come in that are just for six-second spots, which I've only done a handful yeah. of, in a yeah. way are sort of easier because you're not trying to shoehorn a big idea into it. It's just a really well-designed, really well-thought-out six-second story. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's it's hard in all parts, isn't it? Mm. It's you know, Some of my favourite short ads, six-second ads, are those that, kind of make no sense <laughs> you know that are just are just kind of like what the what you know you've just got you know you've got this impression of something yeah. it's just an imp- it's an impression that sometimes intentionally um is is odd you yeah. know like we have some sort of odd concept and i, I kind of find that funny because it's intriguing yeah. um you know it's about leaving an impression so i i think if you can leave an impression in an abstracted way, go for it. Well, Trying I've, to tell a story is almost impossible. I feel like you've certainly left an impression today, Cornell. Thank you so much for coming on Production Brief. Oh, thanks for having me. How good was that? That was great. That was such a good <laughs> chat. He seems like such a nice man. I've never met him, him in person, but I would no. like to. Yeah, definitely, definitely. No, really, really interesting insight into into how that world works. Um, a, a lot of things we sort of suspected, um, but but didn't know for sure, and he was able to clarify around it. Loved the talk around all the you know the social uses and cocooning people into just watching one single thing. Loved the stuff around um, you, you know the long form versus the the commercial space. Yeah, just really insightful. I hope everybody else enjoyed it as well. Speaking of enjoying the episode, if you have enjoyed this episode or any of the others we've done, please tell Mm. a friend uh, because it really helps get the word out. And make sure you subscribe by your favourite podcast platform. Until next time. Bye.